All right, welcome back to the podcast today, guys. We're going to try to get through this section as quickly as we can. It is a lot of information that's going to get thrown at you, but just understand it all has an end to a point. So in France, we've been talking about kind of some of the struggles they've had finding a real leader. France ended up finding really quickly. They needed somebody strong to sit there and really kind of point out what they needed for them. They weren't good at having somebody else tell them in which, how they were gonna, you know, run, or they weren't good at having a group of people decide how to run. They needed one person to stand up and be that individual. That individual became a man by the name of Napoleon. So Napoleon, uh, at the age of 20, he basically uh, is one of the, was when the revolution starts out. He was born on an island in the Mediterranean that was owned by France. So he's not like technically a true Frenchman. Uh, during the revolution, Napoleon rises through the army. He's a big artillery guy, which isn't uh, common to be a, a quick riser in at this time because artillery was kind of a small deal at the time. He's also going to help uh, an expedition in Egypt and kind of with some battles with India and Britain uh, over trade and stuff like that and lead there. And he's going to do a really good job of basically manipulating the people to think that he is this all-powerful leader that's never done anything wrong. Even though he's lost, even though he hasn't been uh, you know, the most successful military leader of all time, he is really going to let everybody think he is you know, the top dog. And he was a very ambitious person. So in 1799, he decides he's gonna start becoming a, pol a political leader. And he helps overthrow the country or the group that was called the Directorate. And he's going to set up a three-man governing board known as the Consulate. They draw another French constitution up in 1800. And Napoleon takes the title of First Consul. After he does that, he sells. He forced Spain to return Louisiana to France. And once he did that, he named himself the Council for Life. Two years after that... He becomes the emperor. So he's this guy who stepped up and said, look, I'm going to take over and I'm going to do this, that, and the other thing. And he did it. And once he did it, he said, okay, I've done everything I said I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to be your emperor for life. He actually sent out a popular vote to him to show to everybody how much he was supporting. He even did it after he was the emperor just to rub it in everybody's face. So he takes over. Great. Some of the big things that Napoleon's going to do as a reformer of France is that he's going to change the way they do things. So in order to restore the, you know, the good way of life people in France used to have, he needed to control prices. And he's going to encourage new industry. He's going to build roads and canals. He's going to set up a system of public schools that has government control in it. He also is going to back off on some of the other social reforms. He, he is going to make some peace with the Catholic Church. He's going to kind of make some of these other things happen. He's going to win support across class lines. He's going to pick ways in which to be uh, thought of very favorably amongst with all of his people. The Napoleonic Code is going to be a big thing that he does. And what it does is it takes the ideas of, you know, freedoms of, uh, of equality for all citizens and it puts it into law form. It also did undid some of the changes of the French Revolution. Women, for example, had just gotten rights during the French Revolution. Those are gone. They are not considered citizens. And male heads of household 
regain complete authority over wife and children. Although Napoleon set up all these great things with reform, and even though he pushed off the women again, he also was, he was a military guy to start. So Napoleon is going to be big, um, having this series of wars that are now known as the Napoleonic Wars, where he really wants to go out and take as much of Europe for himself. He wants France to be the lone power of this of this world basically but especially of the european world so what he wants to do is he's going to go through and he is going to basically redraw the map of europe he takes france and he goes he goes through germany and he takes over a bunch of the german uh, areas not only does he take over the german areas but the ones that he didn't take over they relied on him same with spain he's going to make it all the way out to what is modern day poland uh, Prussia, he doesn't get, but then he also is going to work on getting alliances, so Austria is going to work with him. Uh, he only has a couple countries that are really against him left in Europe by the time all this is done. He is extremely successful, and what he wants to do is create something called a continental system in which he wants all of the continent of Europe to fall in control of the French Empire. He is so profound and talented at being a military leader that he starts these revolutions all across Europe and then those people just fold it into him. He's also going to take those ideas and push them into Latin America, push them into the United States even, and take all of this. He has dominated Europe up until about 1812. But however, in 1812, there starts being some new challenges. Every success had what we call a seed of defeat to it. It's small, but it can grow into more. The French were super nationalistic and super pumped up to be French. It helped them. It also worked against them because many people who wanted these ideas of French were also foreign. And as they were foreign, they didn't want to lose their culture. So you have this French culture going all the way from places like Rome to Madrid to the Netherlands. And these places rise up and they say, listen, I'm Italian. I don't want to be French. Spain starts it all. They use their Catholic church that he kind of was good with. And with that, you know, Spain's like, nope, we're going to do this on our own. They're going to set up a type of warfare called guerrilla warfare, which is basically they use sneak attacks jump in and get all this done. Austria gets sick of him, so they start seeking revenge. The problem is, is he's still winning. He's still winning a lot of these battles, even if there are these you know, pushes against him. But then he makes the mistake that almost every European leader makes. He invades Russia. Russia is cold. <laughs> and if you go at the wrong time to invade Russia, you are probably going to freeze yourself to death. He takes 600,000 soldiers and 50,000 horses into Russia in September. The Russians say, all right, bring it. And what they did is they, as they backed up and they retreated, they burned the entire thing to the ground preventing Napoleon from getting any of the resources that were coming because they knew winter would be here soon. And once winter came, he wasn't ready. 
in my, he, he does this all the way up to Moscow, which is a solid 500, 600 miles into Russia. And he keeps this pushing. And he gets to Moscow in September. And then it clicks in Napoleon. I don't have the supplies to feed my people. And because he didn't have the supplies to feed his people, he had to leave. And the Russians attack him as he's leaving during this thousand mile retreat. And the people were miserable. Napoleon ran back to Paris as fast as he can, but at this point, the news had already beat him there. After he kind of loses some of these, you know, Russia, Britain, Austria, and Prussia, they are going to work together to just go against this weak in France. And they lose a battle of nations in a city called Leipzig. So Napoleon steps down the next year, called abdicating from the throne. And as he abdicates and steps down from the throne, you know, that's all well, that's all well and good, but they all, all the other nations got together and celebrated for a peace conference. Napoleon was sent away after he was sent out. And when he was sent away, he was sent away to an island in the Mediterranean Sea. Well, when everybody went to this peace conference, he escaped. And he came and he got a group of soldiers ready together. He took France back over because the people welcomed him with loving arms because he was still a hero to a lot of people. Well, his triumph is very short-lived. He only came back for about 100 days before he decided he was going to try to surprise all the other people in a, place, in a city called Waterloo of Belgium and the British forces under this guy named the Duke of Wellington and a Prussian army commanded by General Blucher. They're going to crush the French. One day battle destroyed them. And this time Napoleon is sent gone for good. At the end of all of this, uh, the big thing that came from it was that there was something set up called uh, the Congress of Vienna. And it met for 10 months and basically their, their idea was to help uh, restore some of the peace of order and bring back legitimacy to different kings and queens that were in there. It also was, what are we going to do with all the areas of Napoleon? And basically, a lot of countries had to come together so that they could continue this, this process as they went. But Napoleon did this thing. He took over as much of Europe as he can in just 15 years. And in a time where we didn't have cars or anything like that, and he just, he made everybody realize how proud they were to be in the nation that they were in. Have a good long weekend. I will talk to you all soon.